0: Welcome to the Simple Faith Podcast, exploring authentic Christianity for normal people. My name is Dave Betts, and together with my wife Shereya, we're going to explore all the things that make our faith what it is. From looking at the big picture of the Bible to exploring the tough questions that might be getting in the way of your relationship with God.
1: We're not going to use unnecessarily churchy language, and we're not pretending that we have all the answers. And the best bit We'll never take more than 30 minutes of your time each week. We want to keep it simple and hopefully have some fun along the way. Thanks for joining us.
0: This week, we're talking about identity and what that means for us as followers of Jesus. Welcome back to the Simple Faith Podcast, and we want to start with a bit of an announcement that kind of doesn't have anything to do with this podcast, but you know what? We're just excited and we just want to share it. Here it is. This is the announcement. Are you ready?
1: We're having a baby.
0: We are having a baby. We're really, really pumped about that. Also terrified, really terrified. Today we got to go for an ultrasound and we got to see our little baby for the first time. It's exciting, but also absolutely petrifyingly terrifying.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to think about, but we're really excited and it'll be good.
0: You are going to be a mum and I'm going to be a dad. That's weird. And like, that's a whole identity shift, which brings us neatly in this segue to what we're talking about today. We are talking about identity. In the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about identity and calling. Did you know in an Instagram poll we took this week, 71% of you believe that God has called you to something specific? 71%. Well, What if you are part of the 29% who don't believe that God has called you to something specific? Well, we're going to talk about that in the next few weeks. And of those who believe that they have been called to something, 56% worry about that calling. That's more than half. Spend time worrying about that calling. Now, that's, that's an interesting thing. We are going to tackle those things. But in order to get to calling, we have to talk about identity. And when we talk about identity, we're simply asking the question, who are you? You are in the process of getting ready to be a mum. I'm in the process of getting ready to be a dad. And we've moved cities recently and we're working on building a church together and we're in the middle of this pandemic craziness together. And, you know, we have to mention as well, all this stuff that's happening in light of that terrible incident with George Floyd. We're talking about identity here with the, the Black Lives Matters movement. It's, all, it's about identity and, and recognizing those identities. So calling is a big deal. If I was to ask you, who are you? What would you say?
1: That's such a big question. Like in one word?
0: Yeah, try in one word, maybe four words. Let's give me four different <laughs> words.
1: Um, uh, Canadian. I'm Canadian. I'm a sister. I'm. Fun, hopefully. Fun loving. I don't know. Yeah, you're all right. <laughs> Some people might think so. Anyways, um, what would be my last one? I'm an overthinker. That one is big one.
0: Really interesting that you didn't talk about what you do, because I think so many of us would identify ourselves in what we do. And we're going to talk about that in the next section. I think it's strange. No, I didn't say that bit. But the question is, why is identity important? Why, is it, why do you think identity is important?
1: I think it's important because I think often where we put our identity or what we put our identity in is often where we find our worth. That's a huge thing for, for us in life is what makes us worthy.
0: I think that's a really profound and very important insight. And I think that's something that we will touch on in the next section when we get into this discussion about identity. But I wonder before we do that, who are you? And what is that identity that defines you? And why is that important? It's worth giving that some thought for just a second before we get into the next section. So, to start with, let's talk about the the challenge of identity. You know, I know that we have a whole range of age groups listening. Um, I know that when I was at school, I used to really struggle with my identity. You know, as a 14, 15 year old, trying to figure out who I was was a big deal. You know, I wanted to be the fastest rugby player or the strongest rugby player. I wanted to be the best musician. And if I wasn't those things, I'd be devastated. You know, I wanted to be the person with the right friends. And if I wasn't, that would be a challenge. I wanted to, to be seen as cool enough or friendly enough or well-dressed enough. All those silly things that that were just, the, that was the core of my identity for so long. I wonder if Sherea, if you had any experiences like that in small town, Verdon, Manitoba?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think for me growing up, a lot of my identity was based on other people's opinions of me or wh- how I thought people viewed me, I guess. So that for me brought up like a lot of comparison issues, I guess. I think that was what it was for me.
0: Mm. And you, you mentioned before that identity is that kind of core sense of worth in us. Here's where I think the challenge is I think so much of our identity is found in what we do, in what we achieve, in maybe our sexual orientation or our political views. Our online presence, you know, the number of likes that we get or hearts we get on Instagram or all that jazz. Uh, the, the the talents we have or the abilities. Maybe we find our sense of identity in our wealth or status. You know, maybe. <laughs> let me give you an example. I'm gonna. I, I, I really want this to be a place where we are vulnerable and real with you. I want to give you another example. When we were in the UK, we were saving up to move to Canada. And we lived with this amazing lady called Esther, but we lived in her spare room. So we didn't have tons of space. And then we moved to Canada and we have a three bedroom place and it has a basement, which to go from living in a back room to having your own space with three floors, like it's ridiculous. But already I felt my, in my spirit, I felt that sense of, oh, if only we could have four bedrooms. Oh, if only we could have a slightly bigger basement or a bigger backyard. And it's amazing how if you have that sense of who you are being found in anything other than Jesus, that can be a real challenge.
1: Yeah, I think from your example, like, I think that it's so important to recognize that when you put your identity in the wrong things, it can often lead to pride or shame. I guess those maybe are like the the two sides of the pendulum, maybe. is that? Do you think, would you agree with that?
0: Mm -hmm. I want to share with you some quotes that I found. You all get to know this about me, but I have this like monster collection of quotes that I love to sift through when it comes to things like this. And I want to share some quotes from a few books that I've read recently. Uh, In this book, Humble Roots by Hannah Anderson, she says this, at its root, Pride confuses our identity with God's and makes us think of ourselves as larger than we really are. But when we begin to think of ourselves this way, we expect other people to think of us like that too. Without realizing it, we begin to expect more glory and more honor because we actually believe ourselves to be better than they are. One of the challenges with identity, and like you said about pride, one of the challenges with those things is that we place our identity above those of the people around us. And that could be a real bad thing. And there's another quote I found talking about what the author calls performanceism that, that desperate desire to find our identity in, in what we do. And in his book, Seculosity, David Zahl says this Performanceism is the assumption, usually unspoken, that there is no distinction between what we do and who we are. Your resume isn't part of your identity, it is your identity. And then later he says, performancism turns life into a competition to be won, hashtag winning. He literally says this, I'm, I'm quoting it word for word, or a problem to be solved as opposed to say a series of moments to be experienced or an adventure to relish. Performancism invests daily tasks with existential significance, you know, like life changing significance and turns even menial activities into measures of enoughness. Did you catch that? performancism that need to find our identity in what we do it invests daily tasks with such huge significance that it turns even the small activities into measures of enoughness and that's one of the challenges of identity is that we start to measure whether we are enough or not by what we do like i said by our sexual identity by how much money we have and and let me tell you it will never be enough we will never find that place where we think that we're enough.
1: Okay, so I'm going to join the quote train, but I think that Tim Keller really sums it up really well in this quote. He says, "If you get your sense of worth from how courageous you are, it will be traumatic to admit to any cowardice at all. If your very self is based on your valor, any failure of nerve would mean there would be no you left. You would feel you had no worth at all. Indeed, if you base your identity on any kind of achievement, goodness or virtue," you will have to live in denial of the depth of your faults and shortcomings. You won't have an identity secure enough to admit your sins, weaknesses, and flaws. Yeah, I think that just sums it up maybe. And like, if you put your identity in, you know, your sense of achievement, and then you fail, where does that leave you?
0: Mm. And who's, what book was that?
1: That was from The Prodigal Prophet by Timothy Keller.
0: Great. So where does that leave us? What In the 21st century Western world, we try and define ourselves by what we do. And have you ever thought that we are, we're always bombarded with messages from things like Disney and Hollywood and all that, that you can find your truth and you can be who you want to be and you can be whatever you want to be and nothing can stop you from getting to those things. And the problem is, if you don't get to those things, then your whole sense of identity is shattered. And now add to that the world of social media. So we live in a world now that is so obsessed with knowing what each other are doing. And you know what? I fall into that trap sometimes. Sure, it's not yeah. such a big deal for you. You don't oh. use social media so much, but.
1: Yeah, but I still get it, of course.
0: Yeah, listen to this. Go back to that. I want to go back to that book, Seculosity. He says this, Virtually every discussion of on-campus suicide references the omnipresence of social media. I'm going to read that again because that's really important. And then I'll read the rest of the quote. Virtually every discussion of on-campus suicide references the omnipresence of social media. In other words, social media is everywhere. He goes on to say this. You don't have to be familiar with Leon Festinger's social comparison theory from the 1950s to know that we instinctually determine a great deal of our worth based on how we stack up against others, no matter our stage or station in life. The problem... With finding our identity in ourselves, is that we try and compare with others and we think that we can try and change who we are and what we've done. And if we don't measure up, then that's catastrophic. I'm gonna say that I think it's a huge reason why anxiety and depression is such a huge thing in our world at the moment, because we're trying to place our identity in things that end up forcing us to compare ourselves with others and struggling when we don't measure up. So, how do you measure up? Where do you find your worth? So I want to ask you a few questions again before we talk about what God says about identity. How do you define yourself? Where do you place your identity? Is it in what you do? Is it in how others perceive you? Is it in how busy you are or your status within your job? Is it how much money you have? Is it how talented you are or how many likes you have on social media what is your identity found in in the next section we're going to propose that that identity should be found in one place and one place alone in Jesus
1: In the last section, we talked about how we often put our identity in who we are or the things that we do. And these things always seem to come up short. So we believe that the only place to find security in our identity is in Christ. And that's easy to say, but what does that actually look like?
0: That is the million dollar question. I think firstly, we have to recognize who we are in Christ. So I want to read... Some Bible passages to you. Romans 8 starting at verse 14 says this, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So that means our identity is as children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, rather the Spirit that you received brought about your adoption to sonship. We are children, we are sons of God and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So we are children of God. We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. That is a big deal. In Galatians 2.20, Paul says this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what is our identity? We are children of God. We are co-heirs with Christ. And there is no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in us. If we have chosen to be followers of Jesus. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So we are new creations. We are new creations. We are heirs of God, children of God, and uh, it's no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in us. And in Romans 8.1, it says this There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So there's no condemnation. What is our identity? We are free from condemnation. We are children of God. We are co heirs with Christ. We are a new creation, and it's no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in us. That is our identity. But what does that look like? Let me read this parable to you as well. Listen carefully to this. In Luke 12, it says this. Someone from the crowd said to him, to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Friend, he said to him, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? He then told them, Watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. So let's pause there for a second. Where is our identity? Well, it's not in the abundance of possessions. So we can count that one out. It's not in what we have. And then he told them that a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, What should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store my grain and my goods there. And then I'll say to myself, You have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life is demanded of you and the things that you've prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with the ones who store up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Then he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or about the body, what you will wear for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. I think this is a really profound passage when it comes to our identity. You notice that the rich fool, he was so interested in eating and drinking and enjoying himself or eating and drinking and be merry. He might be familiar with that phrase, but it's not about that. You know what Jesus says? Life is not about the abundance of possessions. It's not about eating and drinking and enjoying yourself. It's about being rich towards God. It's about finding our worth in God alone. And there's reasons why that's amazing
1: it is amazing. It's amazing because it's such a, a solid place, a secure place to put your identity. Like when you put your identity in Christ, that doesn't change with time. Like what he says about you, those promises about who you are and his love and his acceptance towards you doesn't change. Whereas when we put our identity in so many things in this world, in even people or what we do, that changes and it's not secure.
0: That's exactly right. Sharia. You're about to be a mum. But one day, those kids hopefully will leave home and your identity will no longer be found in your motherhood in the same way as it was before. You know, for me, I may not be able to work the way that I do now forever. And I'm really privileged to work for a church. But what if I don't have that job? What if I have to go back to secular work? Will I still find my identity in Jesus? Well, I should. I need to because that's where we can find confidence. There's real joy in finding our identity in Jesus. I'm going to get back to our quotes. Uh, Tim Keller again, go back to the guy who wrote The Prodigal Prophet, but this time a different book called Center Church. He writes a list of comparisons about what it looks like when you're being religious or when you are gospel focused. In other words, what it looks like when you are finding your worth in something other than Jesus. Religion says, I obey and therefore I'm accepted. But the gospel says, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. Did you catch that? Motivation is based on fear and insecurity. Well, no, when we're in Jesus, motivation is based on grateful joy. Religion says, I obey God in order to get things from God. But being found in Christ says, I obey God to get God, to delight and resemble him being found in Christ says, I obey God to get God, to delight and resemble him. Religion says, when circumstances in my life go wrong, I'm angry at God since I believe, like Job's friend, that anyone who is good deserves a comfortable life. Is that you? (laughs) Do you, Do you believe that if you're good, you deserve a comfortable life? I think I've believed that at times. But the gospel, being found in Christ says, when circumstances in my life go wrong, I struggle But I know that while God may allow this for my training, he will exercise his fatherly love within my trial. Being found in Christ gives us confidence in the unchanging one. It gives us confidence that whatever we do, we're not trying to find our identity in who we are. We are finding our identity in what Jesus has already done for us.
1: That's so true. And can I just add one more quote? I feel like, we're doing this because people have already said what we want to say in a way that's so much better than we could have said it. So I'm going to share this. This is a book called union with Christ by Rankin Wilburn. And he says, we will always be insecure if our identity is based on something within us, our feelings, assertions, or achievements, but this new identity in Christ that he offers us could not be more secure. We will often fail God, but our relationship with him remains unshakable because it is founded not on anything that we do, but on what Christ has already done for us. Mm, I don't know, I think that just kind of sums it up.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right.
1: I also wanna say that even though we as Christians are called to put our identity in Christ, that doesn't mean that we are carbon copies of each other. The Bible talks about us being individual parts of a body and the head is Christ. So Christ is our foundation, but then we also, as individuals have gifts and abilities and just things that we are passionate about in life. And that's all to build the body of Christ. Um, So Christ is our foundation, but we are also unique.
0: Yeah, exactly. So if I'm understanding what you're saying correctly, you're saying our, our identity is found in Christ alone. That's where we find our sense of worth. That's where we define who we are. Because that's unchanging. But that doesn't mean that we're all the same person. The outworking of that is different. Yeah. And that's exactly what we are going to be talking about in next week's episode when we talk about calling and how the outworking of that identity can look different for each person. So I guess we don't want to get ahead of ourselves too much because we're going to start having that discussion next week. So in summary, as long as we find our identity in anything other than Jesus so what we do, who we are, how hard we work, how busy we are, how much money we have, uh, how much our family love us or how uh, perfect our family looks, for example, how talented we are. I mean, the list goes on. As long as we find our identity in those things, we will always fall short. Here's why. Because it will never be enough. But Jesus is always enough. Jesus alone is enough. And Jesus is never changing. So when we find our identity in him, we can have hope and we can rest secure in who we are. But the outworking of that isn't always the same. It's not always going to look the same for every person. Like Shereya said, it's not about being a carbon copy. So next week, we are going to talk about calling and we're going to talk about what it means to, to be called to something, what it looks like if you don't feel like you're called to something and how as Christians, we all have a calling, whether we realize it or not. And so that is our episode on Identity. Before we finish, we're going to play a game, but I want to recommend to you that you check out simplefaithpodcast.com. And if you have any questions, do get in touch with us. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at simplefaithpodcast or uh, connect with us at simplefaithpodcastgmail.com. At uh, we really, really would love it if you could subscribe and give us a written review that helps us to reach more people. And share this podcast with people. If you're enjoying this podcast and you're excited about talking about calling as well with us, then invite people to listen to it. We really, really appreciate you helping us spread the word about the Simple Faith podcast. With that all said, let's play our next game.
1: So today's game, I think, is one of the most fun that we're going to have because we're talking about identity. And what do you think of when you think of your identity? You think of maybe your personality, your personality traits. And what better way to figure out what kind of personality you have than to play which Disney princess are you?
0: <laughs> okay. These are getting more and more ridiculous. Again.
1: <laughs> I think it connects quite well. So I'm going to go through and ask Dave these questions because everybody wants to know which Disney princess they are, even the boys.
0: I want to know. I want to know. Do I? Do I want to know that? Sure.
1: It's a personality test. Let's not think about it too deeply. So the first <laughs> question is... Where are you at a party with a close circle of my friends in the middle of a dare challenge, making new friends, doing whatever to get the most out of the moment, do whatever I please at the moment?
0: Um, I would either be doing a dare or with a close circle of friends. I think close circle of friends.
1: Okay, great. Next question. What do you want most out of life? Food deep? To break misconceptions, to write my own path. To chase my dreams, to be strong and face those who try to hold me back, to find adventures, to show the world just how great I can be.
0: I don't really like any of those. That's the opposite of <laughs> literally what we've been talking about in this podcast. Yeah, I know. Um, what is the most Jesus like one, do you think?
1: To find adventures, maybe.
0: To find adventures? Yeah.
1: What most out of, we're a lot, you do lots of adventures.
0: Go on then. Is that cheating? I don't know. I don't
1: know. I think it's right for you. Anyways. What's your work ethic? Always strive for better. Just a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What? Wait, okay, never mind. Um, power through it until everything is done. I look for new assignments with vigor. Zip through it so it's done with. Can't focus. I'm always anxious and want to do what I want to do.
0: The first one. Okay. The, the always one strive for be better. better? Yeah. yeah
1: okay. <laughs> do you think you are pretty? Yes, but that's not the most important part of me.
0: Yes, that one.
1: <laughs> What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Can you just say it without even having the options? So you yeah, can
0: say? cookie dough.
1: Cookies and cream. What's your learning style? Social, solitary, oh, no linguistic, right. auditory, visual, kinesthetic?
0: Um, visual.
1: Last question. What are your feelings on love at first sight? I'd prefer a more gradual relationship. Whether or not the love is there from the beginning, it does not guarantee no troubles in the relationship altogether.
0: That's what you would say.
1: Relationships are fluid and ever-changing. If it's true love, it takes time to culture and understand the other fully. Why does one always assume that love is purely romantic? Or it's real.
0: Love at first sight. You know, I saw Shereya and as soon as I saw her, I was like, yep, she's the one. So it's real. So it was real in our case.
1: Okay, calculating results. We're gonna find out which princess you are. Merida.
0: Who the heck is Merida? <laughs>
1: she's the um, she's the Scottish princess. No,
0: <laughs> you can't say an English person is Scottish. That's heartbreaking.
1: <laughs> oh, you're you're a fierce competitor and an avant grade individualist.
0: Well, am I? I don't think I'm don't either know. of those things. But well, that was a terrible quiz. So thanks for that.
1: No, it was terrible. I'm sorry. I thought it would be fun. Who doesn't love a Disney princess quiz?
0: <laughs> okay, I'm going to do the quiz next week so you can participate.
1: Great, okay. How
0: did you do on that quiz? Would you have answered the same thing as me? Who knows? Maybe we should do a link to that quiz. Yeah, on we should. Go to simplefaithpodcast.com, take the quiz and let us know who you got. Did you get Merida, the Scottish curly hair? Is she curly hair one? Is that the one?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, go for her. If you get her as well. And ridiculously, that is the end of this week's episode next week we're going to talk about pooling. we're going to go in deep and we can't wait to see you there
1: thanks for listening